Wow, what a privilege to be here today and uh, watch Matt. I remember him as a little boy. I've got stories, $5 a piece. Jaron, former student, uh, Matt and Megan, Britton, uh, just all kinds here. And it's so great to be with you and uh, excuse the accent, Uh, enjoy it maybe today, so. You guys think you know what hot is. I live in Columbia, South Carolina. It's 101, 102, 103, most days this time of year right now, with 95 to 98% humidity. So about six shirts a day. That's the way we look at it. And the Columbia is called the armpit of the South for a reason. It seriously is. So I try to get away and come to places like Boise where it's cool to me, you know, in this time of year. And uh, it's great to be with you. I, I watched Pastor Keith speak uh, his first week on the fruit of the Spirit, on love. And then I watched Matt, and you guys are blessed. What wonderful speakers you have. And that is a, a place to say thank you, Lord. And then today, I just felt like, wow, when they asked me to do peace, I thought, wow, that's, that's the one I need to talk about because it's my life. And you're going to find that out. And so it's just a joy to be here. Now, let me first of all say to you, when the rapture happens, I feel good about you guys. Just the service here. See, the first service... I know they're going because they had coffee lined up waiting. That's the way it'll be at the rapture, you know. They're going to be out there with their coffee cups saying, okay, Jesus, are you here yet? Okay. You guys are fine. That last service, don't tell them, they don't stand a chance. They barely break it in and get here. So, uh, no, I like to tease, but uh, it's it's, uh, good to see you. And can I thank you? Can I thank you? COVID to me, as I traveled the world, was a winnowing process of the church. There are about 30% of the church that now don't attend anymore. And I think that's a major, major disaster for those spiritually uh, who are going to not, boy, they're going to struggle. But you're here and a lot of young couples and I love it. Thank you. You are the church. We need you. And God's counting on you. And thank you for being here this morning. Amen. I love it. I love it. But the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, before it comes on the screen, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm so glad I didn't have to preach on that last one. I'm just really glad. I'll let someone else do that. I started uh, preparing for this sermon a few weeks ago when Keith said, uh, would I I, uh, speak to you all? Uh, I was going to be out in the the area. My my, uh, brother-in-law passed away, and uh, we were out for a funeral on Thursday, celebration of life service, and so I was here, and I like to stop by, and 
One of the reasons I stopped by is I am a university president. And Kevin Jones, our dean, standing right in the back. Wave, Kevin, so everybody can see you. And there's a table outside. You say, why do you do this, Dr. Smith? Why would you tell us about that? Well, we have 24,000 missionaries, graduates, out of our school in 168 countries. Uh, the last 18, it's 150 countries, we say, but 18 we can't talk about because they're in places where they could be killed if, if found out. But our school is 100 years old, and it uses practices like medical missions. We work with Samaritan's Purse. We use uh, business, like we have master's and doctorates in businesses. Uh, in business, we have uh, a master's in counseling. And all those you can do online. And the reason now that I love is you can get a biblical degree that's business-oriented with the right ethic, okay, that can help you in your place of work, but also will have a missions flair to it. And I love that. And that prepares you both for the church and it prepares you for your work wherever you are. So if you'd like to be a teacher, if you'd like to be in missions work, in medical missions, nursing, uh, we're looking at uh, doing a physician's assistant program. We uh, have all kinds of doctorates in organizational leadership. Uh, we have a thousand, quietly a thousand Chinese right now that are in our programs that are studying through the Bible and house churches. So beautiful to see what God's doing around the world. And uh, Kevin can help you if you'd like to know anything about that. So just stop by and see him. I did a little research as I started to prepare to, to speak with you today. Former president of the Norwegian Academy of Sciences and Historians brought scholars together from England, Egypt, Germany, India, numerous other countries, and looked at the number of years of peace we have had in the world since 3600 B.C. And discovered there has only been 292 years of peace. During this period from 3600 B.C. before Christ, 14,000 wars have occurred. 3.64 billion people have been killed due to war. 8,000 peace treaties have been negotiated and broken. And in our lifetimes, in our world's lifetime, there's been less than 8% of that time that some could class, someone could classify it as a time of peace. Romans 3.17 says this, the way of peace they have not. We understand that today. We live in a world of crises. Uh, crisis after crisis occurs. And uh, if you watch the news, which I refuse to do now, it's only negative. It's only about someone being murdered, someone being killed. Something bad happening, the media just isn't getting it. That's not what we care to hear. And I just don't care for it. But I do know there's a lot of conflict. I am a conflict negotiator. 
Uh, I fly to Washington, D.C. to a place called the House of Peace where many, many treaties have been uh, signed. The last time I was there, uh, the week I was there, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton had some of the Arab leaders in and had uh, worked through. This was from, She was not secretary at that time, but she and the president. There's a number of people who use this house, which is hidden away in Washington, D.C., and you can go there and you become part of that society of peace negotiators. And so I was invited out. The day I was there, there were two African presidents there negotiating peace between their war-torn regions. And I was put in a room and uh, a gentleman from Kansas who worked for Governor Sam Brown back at the time, Doug and I met with two different firms in Washington, D.C., law firms, that we're getting ready to sue each other. Now, if you understand anything about lawsuits, the only ones that win are the lawyers, okay? If you suddenly are told you'll get $3 million, you'll probably get about 30000 when the lawyers take all. There's any lawyers here this morning. <laughs> I am so sorry. We love you this morning. We can give you a hand this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Just make sure you pay your tithe. So. <laughs> but uh, that's why we have negotiation conflict resolution. And so I flew out. We spent the day together. And we, will, we were able to keep these two Christian law firms from suing each other. I, I learned a lot about negotiation that day. Because there was not peace between those two. When I look at this passage, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, my mind immediately wants to go and say, okay, what does the Scripture have to say? What's the key word in the original language that we're looking at? And I found out quickly, the word that's used mostly is the word arene in the original language. And it, the word means a sense of wholeness, of total well-being, integrity, you can see how that would be, joining together instead of separation. It's associated with quietness and rest. My wife and I, one of our dreams when we went into ministry 30 years ago was that someday we would have a little cabin where some of our minister friends who really go through tough times in ministry would be able to come and just have a place of rest. Today, if you go to Virginia, my little dad's little 27-acre farm, we have a cabin that she calls Serenity, and it's so beautiful. And I just spent a week there before coming out here, and that is my place of rest. Quietness in the woods, all along, just the birds. So beautiful. That signifies the meaning of peace. Peace is mentioned several times in the New Testament. Kenneth Wiest, a Greek scholar, says that peace is the state of untroubled, undisturbed tranquility and the well-being produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit. But I looked at the scripture and here are a few things I found with regard to this whole idea of peace. First of all, Jesus is introduced as the Prince of Peace. 
Isaiah 9-6, anyone know that passage? Just the last part. And he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53-5 says this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. The first introduction that I want to bring to you this morning from the scriptures is Jesus as Prince of Peace. He took on your punishment for your sins. Isn't that great? I remember as a little boy, one time, my brother had done something, and I had done something, and I remember uh, thinking, wow, this is going to be a tough punishment. And would you believe that my brother took that for me? This is what's signified here. Jesus took on your punishment so that you can have peace. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's where it starts. When you meet Jesus Christ, it is because of him taking on your sin, your punishment, that you can experience peace in him this morning. See, God the Creator created you to serve him. He wants you in a relationship with him. And you will never know peace until you meet Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's some of you this morning need to hear that. You need to know that you've been struggling so much. And the devil wants to try and disrupt and tell you that your sins are too great. That you face death. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace for you. No sin have you done that God cannot forgive for. That the blood of Jesus Christ will not bring peace into your life. He is here to be your Prince of Peace. Sometimes the devil likes to throw up our sins. I was just a few weeks ago praying one morning and a sin that I had committed back when I was 17 years old came to my mind and just the devil was hounding me over that. I was in the process of studying for this sermon and I looked at this. I said, oh devil, get behind me because Jesus took on my sins, my suffering so that I might experience life in him, you could tell the devil to get behind you this morning because Jesus died for your sins. He died for you. He's the Prince of Peace. Dale Moody says this, <clears throat> a great many people are trying to make peace themselves, but that has already been done. God did not leave it for us to do. God has already done it. And I say praise God to that, amen? Yeah. Praise God for that. 
while translating the New Testament for people in the jungles of Columbia, Jim Walton was struggling with the word for peace. He discovered that the chief kept saying a phrase over and over, I have only one heart. I have only one heart. And Walton began to talk with the villagers, what is the chief saying? And he said, sir, he is saying to you that once he met Jesus, he only has one heart. And that's what peace is. Peace is having one heart. I also found in the scriptures, there is scripture that's associated with the prayer of peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious with anything. But in everything, give prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your hearts and your minds. When you are going through the anxious times, what guards us? The peace of God. You don't have to live in a place of anxiousness. This past week, two weeks ago, I went to my little cabin, the place of serenity, uh, to just get away and have some time. I typically take two to three weeks off and just spend in the Word, refreshing myself, getting ready for the new school year. Those 18, 19, 20 years old, 30, uh, 21-year-olds, moms and dads, we can't fix them if you haven't fixed them already. Just remember that. But somehow we're expected to, so uh, I have to pray up and get ready for these great, great young men and women that are coming. I was there having my own time of fueling and refreshing, getting peace, when I got a call and said, it was about 1.30 in the morning, and said, Mark, would you come out to such and such a house? And I drove out, and there sat a family member. And she had been in an accident, and two fatalities had occurred. The next two or three days, there was a lot of anxiousness. Police reports being done, hospital visits being made, funeral visits being prepared. In that time, we all began to sense the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I can say to you that this prayer is a prayer that works with regard to peace. I want to look at the path of peace just for a moment. Psalms 119.65 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. How do you destroy peace in your life? With this peace, the fruit of the Spirit is about the maturing of Christians. It's about growing you. And as I looked at this and said, well, how does this peace work in our lives? There is a society today that is very anarchist in many regards. 
You hear about extreme groups on every side. These groups are, are wanting to just tear down the government and tear down this and tear down that. And <clears throat> I don't know where you rest and, and what your thoughts are on some of the groups. But I can tell you this, that God gave his law so that we have peace. Did you know that? A country that does not have law is a country at war. A country of unrest. And the scripture makes that so clear. Even in your own lives, let me just get real practical. Did you know the laws, the Ten Commandments are for your peace? Did you know that? Thou shalt not lie. Who do you think suffers the most when the lie occurs? You. Because you know you lied. And you're afraid you're going to get caught. So there's not peace, is there? If you killed someone, who do you think would suffer the most? Well, now that family would suffer tremendously. But who would suffer? <laughs> Until you were caught, who would suffer greatly? You. The laws of God are placed in our lives so that we mature and have peace. I am a guy that likes to go. I've traveled the world. I jump on a plane tomorrow and go anywhere. I just, that's just, I love it. Uh, in ministry, I tend to go a lot. I was going for a period of time. I was sort of bragging to a couple of my buddies. You know, I'm going like on a 21-day stretch here. I haven't had a day off. I'm going, you know, you know how guys get to talking. You're thinking, you know, hey, this is good stuff. I've done 16 hours a day. I mean, blah, blah, blah. This is guy stuff. Then I end up in hospital. Uh, when they end up in the hospital, guess what? <clears throat> uh, God had a chance to talk to me. And guess what he said? Uh, Mark, do you know I created a Sabbath day? You mean that? That's that for me? Yeah, you're a minister. You go preach on Sundays four times. Some of you aren't awake yet, okay? I'm just trying to wake you up, okay? Get, get away. You go preach on Sunday four times. You get on a plane tonight and get on a red eye and go back and go to work in the morning when I arrive at 945 in Atlanta or in Columbia. <clears throat> go through Atlanta. Then you'll go to work. Then you'll just keep going. God says, nope. I don't care if you are a minister. The Sabbath was for you, Mark. I didn't create it for me. I created it for you. Because if you don't observe a Sabbath and you don't take rest, guess who's going to pay? You will. We've tried to make these things all so strict. And Sabbath, you can't do this and do that. You're the one that gets hurt. <coughs> great peace I have those who. Great peace have those who. What? Love your law. So I'm going to just get a little more practical now. This fruit of the Spirit. Well, first of all, let me say this to you. Did you know you don't produce it in your life? It's a divine impartation. Because it's the fruit of the what? 
spirit. But there are ways that that seed can grow and be cultivated in your life. And really the fruits of the spirit are about maturing you and growing you up. Making you a strong Christian. Do you love? Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Let's get real practical. Do you display peace in your community, home, and church? Do you? Do you display those? See, Matthew 5, 9 says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The sons of God. Right? Do you display peace in your life? Guys back there, you with me? Okay, I think my slide's off just a little here. Displaying peace in your life. Maybe Matt's asleep back there. Oh, there we go. Display peace in your life, in your home, church, and community. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, Let's get real practical. How do you display peace in your home? Anybody married here this morning? Few of you. Um, I don't know about you, but I like peace in my home. Do you? When I go home... I know this about my wife of 36 years. She will create for me a serenity, a place of peace. She will know I I will come in tired. She will meet me and give me a hug. We always embrace and a kiss. Guys, I have heard that if you hold a lady 10 seconds that all the endorphins release and they are open to you. They just like that, 10 seconds. So here's what I will do to my wife. One, two, three, four. (laughs) She says, get out of here. (laughs) I I really do do this a lot. She laughs. It's a fun thing now. But I have heard, it helps. 10 seconds, hold them. And she will know, because of what I'm getting ready to tell you in a few minutes, that I need some time. And she will have created that for me. But I can tell you over the last 36 years, not every time has it been a place of peace in my marriage. The other day I asked her, I said, honey, we were getting ready. We're getting ready to go on our anniversary. Actually, when I get back next Friday, we leave for our our 37th anniversary. And so I asked her, I said, honey, I said, we've had a great marriage. I said, I just want to thank you for being a wonderful wife. But I said, I have one question for you. Why am I the one that always must say I'm sorry? (laughs) 36 years of this now. And she looked at me, never cracked a smile. She said, that is the easiest answer. Anyone should know that. You're the one always wrong. (laughs) So guys, just, you know, just do it, guys. You, You hear me, guys, out there? Okay. This place of peace. And so now I just walk in the door and say I'm sorry because I don't. Sometimes I say I'm sorry because I don't know why I'm saying I'm sorry. And she really doesn't know why I'm saying I'm sorry. But I'm saying I'm sorry, okay? Let's get it over with. I did uh, tell her, I said, honey, I said, uh, 
you know, I really do care about you. You create this for me, but I will go home and, you know, I'll send flowers to her while I'm away. Not every time, but sometimes. Butterfinger BBs. Anybody like Butterfinger BBs? Those, you can't find them now. I searched the earth over, you know, and you just can't find them, but I'll try. She has this certain perfume that she likes, and I've run in airports and stores and they walked into Victoria's Secret, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Trying to find this perfume that she likes, okay? Take it home to her. I can't find it. But guys, I have the answer this morning. I found out perfumeoutlet.com is 50% off, and you can have it shipped right to them, okay? I found you. There's one thing you can get out of the sermon this morning, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about peace in the home. Now, let me tell you what has happened over that 36 years. My wife and I hardly ever have a word. Now, we just love each other. We've learned how to create peace. I learned what she likes. She learned what I like. We just get along. You know what that's called? Getting old. No. (laughs) It's called maturing. And part of it is age. But it's called maturing. It's called maturing in Christ. Learning to live in an atmosphere of a fruit of peace in my life. My wife's awesome. You couldn't find anyone better to live with. She's sweet. I've had a lot of health issues in my life. She's always there for me. She's just that kind of lady. And I've learned as a strong type A personality that's going to save the world before it happens before Jesus comes, that I need her to balance me. And that's been so beautiful to learn that together. How about just playing peace in the church? Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. I love the church. Some people want to criticize the church. I don't have any critics critical spirit for the church. You know what? These guys up here are not perfect. Matt, Keith, Britton, any of them. I've been in this thing called ministry for 30-some years. I have been absolutely taken out. I've had to go on antidepressants before. I've been a month where I didn't, and I'm not a guy who's just prone to depression. I've been in the bed for a, a month, attacked so severely, almost destroyed, I know how hard the church can be on you, but I know this. I love the church. And here's what I've learned as I've matured, that we must learn to live together in peace in the church. You know, brother, I don't know you, but I guarantee you, you and I are different. And I celebrate that as a member of the body of Christ. I can't get up and sing and play like Britain, nor do I need to be jealous because I can't do that. Nor can I preach like Keith or someone else. But the gifts God has given me, I will give to God. And I will celebrate this body together in peace. I had a head-on accident a few years ago. You don't have to go to the slide yet. But the church... The church, when I was in the hospital the first 31 days after a guy hit me, the church 
took my wife and cared for her and our one-year-old baby. $10,000, 400 cards, helped her get a new car, brought her in groceries. That's the body of Christ that I love, and I will fight for it. I love it. That's what kind of church the world needs to see. Everyone wants to talk about a growing church. The church is not hard to grow. If you knew me, I've grown organizations. That's what I do. But there's a simple way to grow the church. Just love somebody. Just love your neighbor. Don't find all their faults. Don't come to church with a critical spirit. Don't walk out of here and say, That's a, that was an awful sermon by Smith this morning. Wait till I get gone at least, okay? <laughs> you don't have to do those things. Why? Because you are displaying a fruit of peace in your life. Are you maturing? Are you growing? Are you keeping your mouth shut when you don't need to say what you think sometimes? Can you just keep it to yourself? Can you not call your friend and criticize? Can you not murmur and complain? In fact, in Jude, do I read that murmurers and complainers will not be in heaven? Have you read that passage? Go look it up. I want to live in peace. Are you a peacemaker? See, the fruit of the Spirit, I hope you're growing this morning. Living at home in peace. This is the practical areas. Living in the church in peace. Living with yourself in peace. Some people can never have peace themselves. Because one, they're involved in sin. And when you are involved in sin and you're looking at pornography. Or you're involved in an affair. Or you're involved in sinful practices that you know you shouldn't be. You'll never have peace. It's having a conscious, clear, void of offense toward God. And toward man, you can't defraud your neighbor. See, this is righteous, holy, practical living. It's what it is. And we all need to grow. The fruit of the Spirit. And then it's practically displaying, displaying peace when the bad times hit how do you handle that a few years ago I learned this, about this thing called peace in a real way when I went through a car accident you say what kind of car accident did you go through well that guy was doing 60 miles an hour and he hit me head on. I was doing 45 miles an hour and this was the car on a Sunday afternoon after I preached like today, on a Sunday afternoon he hit me. I was where the steering wheel was. I was trapped, it took him 45 minutes to cut me out of the car. They called for a life flight helicopter. And my life changed forever. 
one-year-old boy, a beautiful wife. And I was destined from that moment on to a life of suffering. I have 13 screws, three-inch screws that go from right here in my back down to right here. I was a athlete, football, basketball. I think I averaged about 15 points a game. Who cares? Except guys, right? But I went from that, lifting weights, healthy, strong, six foot 180. Boom. One Sunday afternoon to a year in a hospital bed to where I literally could not lift one pound with my finger. And this toe and this leg would not move at all. Three hours a day of therapy for years, working, doctors saying he'll never walk, and me saying, with God's help, I'm going to walk, and fighting, and tears every day, and pain every day, and that's been my life the last 20 years. Now, I knew at that time I would either get bitter because it wasn't my fault or I would begin a better and I knew at that time I had to find a place of peace I had to let this fruit grow in my life in a dramatic way or I was going to be an angry old man for as long as God allowed me to live and so I just started quoting the scripture to build peace in my life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, O Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him. And that was my daily ritual as I just quoted scripture and prayed and moved to an attitude of thanksgiving. Every day I live with pain. Every day I take a step. It's like those screws go through me. By the end of the day, my leg will be swollen so huge. And when I try to prop it, there's no relief from the pain. The sciatic nerve was cut in two. And that's been life until three years ago, two and a half years ago. My wife and I were used to that. When I say we have peace in our home, I've had to get to a place of peace so I could have peace with her and make it a good home. And she's worked hard and I've worked hard because that's tough when you live with pain every day. And then two and a half years ago, I go for what I think is another surgery, multiple surgeries over the years. And I go in, the doc says, this is not a routine surgery. There's a mass. And on my kidney, I had developed a cancerous tumor caused by the accident. Over the years had developed and the size of a football, they took my kidney and the tumor out. And that put me into treatments and I began to live another level of pain.
fear, dying, anxiety, the C word, cancer. And so we got through that. I'm a fighter. God's great. And last fall, I went back for a routine checkup and the doc says, we got a problem. Your other kidney has a mess. So I stand before you today with a little piece of a kidney that's still functioning. Okay? And God's still allowing me to be in ministry. And I don't just talk about peace. God has matured it in my life until I can live in a place of peace. What's going on right now, Dr. Smith? Well, I had to have blood work Friday because there's some problems. This coming Friday, I'll be with my doctor, but Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll have scans. There's a possibility for the third time the cancer comes back. But my wife and I have come to a place of trusting God with our lives and living in the maturity of the fruit of the Spirit where peace rules in our lives. I'm not just this day just making up stories. This is real life for me. And I wanted you to, as a congregation to take my testimony of God's grace. I have nothing to brag about. I hardly can stand here. I've had double pneumonia multiple times. My breath is short at times. I have nothing left to give except the grace of God on display with peace being enjoyed in my life. When peace like a river attendeth our way, with sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever the cost, whatever you want to say, whatever happens in our life, I want to say this to you. It's well, it's well, it's well with my soul. Peace enjoyed as a fruit of the Spirit. I was here today to talk to you about growing up in peace. Will you be a peacemaker? Let's stand together. Our Father, this morning, I pray for this congregation. I am so thrilled to see all these young couples. So thrilled to see this middle-aged and older couples, the church on display, all these young people. And Lord, I understand how hard life can be, but I ask that you would grow them in this area of peace so that the world can experience the fruit of the Spirit of peace on display in their lives. I pray these things this day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.